All right, good morning, New Life. A uh, special welcome, as mentioned, to the year 12s who are visiting this morning. Um, I'm pretty sure most of you guys are located over there, but some of you guys might be uh, interspersed with us. Yeah. Big accomplishment, definitely, uh, coming out of year 12 during COVID times as well. Um, I'm sure many of us uh, cannot relate to what you guys went through um, in some ways. Now, if we haven't met yet, my name is Young, pastor here at New Life, uh, where in all we do, we gather together for the glory of God and the gospel of grace. And what you see on screen, this is a photo of my family when I was a baby. So that baby is me. I was a big baby. (laughs) Your eyes do not deceive you. It's not a trick of the PowerPoint, but my head is actually the size of my full-grown adult mother's head in that photo. So yes, it is a... You can probably tell by the title of the sermon there, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about fatherhood. And so indulge me as I reflect a little bit about fatherhood over the last year um, as a rookie dad of one year and about other fathers as well. But let me pray for us before we get to that. Father, we turn to you now, calling upon your name and recognizing, Lord, that we might not fully understand or grasp what that word means. Uh, We've had our perception colored in so many ways, and we want to wipe the slate clean as we turn to you in prayer right now, God. We want to hear what it is from your word that this word means, what your love means towards us, what it looks like. We want to experience it. Just like the words of the songs that we've been singing today, God, uh, we really do want to run into your open arms And we really want our hearts to know that they are open. They're waiting for us. So we pray this morning as we gather together that you would help us to drop all guards, that you would help us, Lord, to really embrace who you are and recognize that you are trustworthy, that you are loving, that you are kind and gentle. So would you speak your words to us, open up our ears that we might be able to hear you, remove all distractions from us and help us, Lord, to understand what you have to say to us May we receive your love, and may we love you as well, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week, um, my son Jonas, he was in a very rare mood. Uh, So if you guys have seen Jonas before, if you guys have been around him before, you would know that this is a little bit rare. So Bora and I, we asked uh, uh, Jasmine uh, to take a photo for us, because this, what you're seeing right now, is one of the few existing photos of Jonas just wanted to chill out of my arms, have his head on my chest, and, you know, I love that. You know, I love that he wants to do that. Unfortunately, it's just so rare, because usually he doesn't like to sit still, if you've ever been around him. You know, he's a baby on the move, so he has his little toy cars to play with, Uh, he's got, you know, books to read, and he's got his mom to chase around, and he never wants to just sit in my arms. He's always wriggling, you know, I always feel like I'm going to drop him a little bit, you know, when he's uh, wriggling around in my arms. Don't tell Bora that. But, you know, I keep looking for ways for this kind of thing to happen, where I can just hold him for a little while, where we can just relax a little bit, you know. But being a dad has been a little bit more about the unexpected realization that I don't really know what I'm doing most of the time. You know, I don't really know how to get him to sit still most of the time. Am I even essentially going against my son's character by asking him to just remain still? to just be peaceful, just calm down and just, you know, you're one. Well, you just calm down. You don't have anywhere to be. Just rest in my arms. Am I asking him to go against his character? 
I have these uh, two comics that kind of speak to my ex existence and my experience of being a father. It's from this uh, comic called Calvin and Hobbes. Um, I first read both of these when I was just a kid, okay? And so I laughed at the obvious joke that came with uh, both of these comics. I don't know if you can fully see it. Yeah, can you see it okay? Um, still in the corner of my mind, especially as I read that first comic, I thought I would just kind of get it, you know, when I became a dad, when I became a little bit older, you know? Basically, Calvin is asking his dad, can I see this book that you're saying that you get when you become a father? And he's saying, you can't have it until it's too late and you are a father. Like surely, once I got to that stage in my life, once I was older, I would know what to do in any given situation because that's kind of what I thought that my parents were doing, that they kind of just knew how to run things. They kind of just knew how to make sure that things worked. But the reality of the situation that I'm faced with now today, when I'm awake late at night, when I'm reflecting on the day that's just passed and how I parented my child throughout that day, I'm a lot more like that second comic where I'm just sitting up and thinking, man, I really uh, just guessed my way through this day and he's not dead, he's okay, so you know, we'll see how we go tomorrow. So how do we learn how to parent children you know, to the parents that are here? Or do we ever truly know how to even be a child to our parents? This is one thing that I'm learning in you know, my late 30s now that I don't really know how to be a good child to my parents sometimes. Now, a question for the dads of new life. You guys are you know, mostly located in this section over here. What does the way that you father your children say about your knowledge of God? And this is a question that I'm asking myself these days. And if I can be honest with you, I find that I'm a highly impatient person when it comes to fathering my child. You know, you guys mostly catch me at very good times, especially if all you see of me is up here on Sundays. You know, because I'm fine when things are good. But I'm weak as well. And so I struggle when things aren't perfectly harmonious in my family. Like when Jonas is upset about something and yelling a lot. Or when he doesn't do exactly what I would like him to do, and he's yelling a lot. You know, mostly it's just yelling. You know, just basically at any time. At a wedding yesterday, he was the loudest person in the room. Now, question for everyone. Not just the dads, but everyone. What does my experience of fatherhood say about my experience of God as father? Now, a few of you guys have uh, asked me about my accent. You know, mom and I, we moved to the United States when I was around five years old. And dad joined a little bit later. That's a picture of them. I did the maths, and I think my dad was around 33 uh, at the time that he moved to this new country. And so, you know, maybe a little bit younger than you guys or a little bit older than some of you guys. He moved to this new country where he didn't speak the language. You know, English wasn't as widespread in Korea as it was, uh, as it is now. And this is a bit of a common story for a lot of people in this room as well, as, you know, a lot of us come from immigrant family backgrounds, or at least we're adjacent to people that have immigrant families. But try to put yourself in these shoes. You know, you're moving to a new country, and you're having to learn the language while supporting your family. You know, I have enough trouble trying to learn Korean on the job. My Korean is not the best. Even though it's my background, and even though I have a basic understanding of Korean, I can at least watch, you know, a drama with subtitles on, and I know what's going on. And I really struggled with other languages, you know, like Hebrew and Greek uh, during seminary, even though it was in a classroom setting and I didn't have a family to support. Some of you guys might have the same experience as well if you went through high school and you were learning a second language or a third language, and you struggled through this. But dad's primary role at the time, 
And his way of loving our family was in providing, was in providing the meals on the table, a place for us to rest our heads. And dad and I, we love each other. You know, you might even see him later at the Thanksgiving festival. Don't mention I showed all these old photos of him. But the hard life of immigrants meant that we didn't have a lot of time to spend together. So there was a little bit of distance between us as we were growing up. I don't know if any of you can relate to this. So the time that we did spend together, we didn't really know how to talk to each other because we hadn't grown up talking to each other, which created even more distance, as you can imagine. And I think now about my dad at that time, and I wonder if maybe I feel the way that I do now, unprepared as I enter into fatherhood. Is that how my dad felt at that time as a 33-year-old moving to this new country? Now, question for you. How do you think this affected my relationship with God? How do you think this affects the way that I pray if I have this kind of distance? If I don't know how to talk with my earthly father, who I can see, who is there in front of me, if I don't know how to listen to him, how to hear from him, what about with my father God, whom I can't see? A lot later on in life, uh, right here at New Life, in fact, you know, before I was a pastor, there was this one deacon uh, from the Korean side. He used to come along to a lot of New Life stuff. He used to come along to services. He used to come along to different events. I say he was a deacon, but to be honest, I don't know, okay? Because we didn't really talk. We didn't really know each other. I just saw him in the back, okay? He's just sitting way in the back. If somehow we were able to track him down today, because I think he might still go to this church, he probably wouldn't even remember me or know who I am. If somehow he happened across the link for the New Life live stream and he saw me talking about him, despite me talking about him right now, he would have no idea that I'm talking about him because I personally couldn't tell you his name. I don't even know if he spoke English. You know, he just came. So why do I still remember him? Because he, sh he showed up to where I was, to what I was interested in, and I really liked that about him. I started noticing him because people would mention that he would just come and sit quietly in the back and just pray. Now, who knows if he was actually praying or if he just didn't understand and he was just like, you know, falling asleep. And so I started telling everyone else that he's a very faithful person as well because other people maybe noticed who he was. I started telling everyone, this guy really loves new life. You know, if ever they were to ask, how do you know? I probably wouldn't be able to tell them. Now, I don't know if this was a wound from childhood with my dad being away so much, working long hours, being unable to be around, that kind of just grew and amplified into this desire for a father figure of some sort who took interest in what I was interested in, even to the point where I took interest in this person who I didn't really know how to communicate with, which is ironic if you think about what I just said about my own father at home. Are there people at church that you see as father figures when you communicate with them, when you walk with them, when they mentor you? And how do they positively reflect the Father God's character to you? And on the flip side, are there any negative things that they feed into when it comes to your view of God? Because it's okay to have father figures, but we have to know that they're imperfect reflections of our Father God, just as we are imperfect reflections of him as well. For me, with that deacon, to give you an example, there was this positive reflection of godly character in the way that he was just present. He was just there. 
in his prayerfulness, but negatively, it fed into this distant silence that I came to expect from father figures in my life. For my own dad, this unapproachability, because we didn't speak the same language. And now, this colored my perception of God as well. When it came to prayer, I didn't know how to speak to him. Is God silent? Is this how you picture God? To be the silent God, just a distant emptiness, just an empty chair that you speak to sometimes. Jesus says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for some bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good things, to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. So why is it then that many of us find it so difficult to speak with God? Why is so much of our common experience of God, this inability to connect with him, this distance, this feeling of isolation and this silence? Do you know God or do you just characterize him by casting images of your own father or father figures over his face? Because on one hand, we have the word of God here that's speaking to us, the everlasting and the only truth. And on the other, we have whatever perception that we bring into our understanding of who God is, this eternal, unfathomable, all-powerful God. If you've joined us for a Friday night prayer at any point, we've been going through a series called Why I Pray, where the ministry directors, they've been sharing a little bit about you know, why it is that they pray. And here's mine. Number one reason that I pray is because I know he's listening. Anytime I pray, I know he's listening. The only time we don't talk is when I don't talk. Now, I'm not saying that all of us need to hear some sort of an audible voice or see some sort of sign or something. Okay, this isn't the point of prayer. But the reality is that God is always there. He's always listening. And every prayer that we pray receives an answer one way or another. Every single time. When we think about God, we often start with this knowledge of God as the creator of all things. You know, this is what we read in the first part of the Bible, right? He's a creator. From here, we might move on to knowing God as the father of Jesus. And so that's why we might call him father. You know, like how a lot of our uh, families have people that say, you know, someone else's dad. For example, in Korean, a lot of people say, you know, Jonas's dad instead of my name. I just become this other identity. Okay, let's pause there then. What kind of father is God to Jesus? There's a lot of answers to this, and all of them begin and end with love. When we talk father, we're talking about this relationship that God has to his son Jesus, but we also think about this relationship that any father has to a son. To be a father is to have a child who is of the same nature to the father. As in, I'm Jonas's dad because he has my blood and my genetics. He also looks a lot like me. He carries my last name. 
What does this mean in, to us in relation to our Father God then? Why are we even allowed to call him this? Because we're adopted in Christ. So we're related as children of God since God's fatherhood extends to those who are co-heirs with Christ. A little while ago, I said that every prayer receives an answer. How do I know this? How can I say this? Because Jesus suffered the silence of God so that we never have to. When he was hanging upon the cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He said it so that we might never be abandoned as those adopted into God's family through what Jesus accomplished. Prayer works because of the one that we pray to. This is what we talked about last year during our sermon series, Teach Us to Pray, appropriately in a sermon titled, Dad. Very similar to today. Our prayers are to one who is not only all-powerful, but he's our father. God is our father. Jesus tells us as much. Matthew 6, 9 reads, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. John 20 reads this, Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And yet some of us struggle with this concept, this relationship with God as Father. We stumble over that first step of that concept of Father so many times. And this is true whether for the dads of new life who struggle with their own relationships with their children and the relationship that they now share with their father God or those who have struggled with their earthly fathers. Whether or not they were present, their personalities, whatever it might have been, or the different father figures that we might have had in different places as well. All this means that we're unable to meaningfully enjoy or even understand our relationship with God as father. And this seems pretty important to me when it comes to faith. When you read through the Gospels, you might have noticed that Jesus first and foremost calls God Father before anything else. Surely, if Jesus is the one who informs our faith, we have to realize that denying God the name Father does something to our faith. We struggle with this because of our own earthly experience with fatherhood, but us calling God Father It's not us using a metaphor for God. It's not us relating our own earthly fathers to him. It should be the opposite. It should be the other way around. Ephesians 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. What our passage today tells us is that the fatherhood that we experience here on earth is a distant reflection of the true fatherhood of God. To look at fatherhood here on earth is to see true fatherhood through a mirror dimly. Our God is Father in the truest sense of the word. He is the complete Father. For us here on earth, we who experience fatherhood experience it in almost an unexpected way. I couldn't bring Jonas into the world on my own. I needed someone else. And I haven't so far known how best to raise him. And yet God is Father from all of eternity. He is Father alone and by nature purely father in every true sense of the word. The theology of God the Father and Jesus as Son is this. They are father and son eternally with no beginning and no end. Why? Because if Jesus had a beginning, then God must also have a beginning as father rather than being eternally father. 
This is the one that we call Father. All human fathers are merely shadows, hazy reflections of the true and living God. And even though every father derives his name from God, as it tells us in our passage today, you and I both know from our experiences of fatherhood, it's not perfect. There's something missing. There's a far cry from what we imagine perfect fatherhood to be. We wish that they could be a little bit different sometimes. So what do we do? How do we begin to redefine our relationship with God if we have struggled to see him as father? If we've always felt more comfortable with Jesus or the Holy Spirit, then this is something that we have to do. How do we enjoy healthy relationships that glorify God? How do we go deeper into this relationship with the Father himself? It might seem insurmountable at times. It might seem impossible since we've been shaped this way, many of us from such an early age, by those that receive the utmost trust that we thought they deserved. This has been all we've come to know of fatherhood here on earth. But remember, every prayer receives an answer. Prayer works because of the one that we pray to. And if this is the case, then we know that God is not silent. He's not unable. He's not uncertain about what to do. If you know that Jesus went to the cross for you, you know that he made a way for you to meaningfully have this relationship with his father, our father. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time to pray now. Let's pray for help from our father. Let's, let this be what begins and rejuvenates your relationship with him. Let's pray. I think it'd be appropriate first to confess as we pray. Let's confess having been unable to see him as father or characterizing him by our imperfect fathers here on earth and our father figures that we've come to know. Let me give you some time to confess that. that in confession, 
then let's take some time to ask him for help. Why don't we take some time to pray and ask him for help to know him as father and to know his fatherly love. Let's pray.
Would you help us to believe this? Would you help us to recognize, to receive your love as Father towards us, your children? We want to know your fatherly love. As we confess and as we repent, we want to run into your arms. And we want to say who you truly are. We know that you're not cold, you're not distant, you're not silent, but that you're a warm, that you're welcoming, that you are loving, that you're gentle, that you're kind, that everything that we say to you, you meet with a listening ear. You hear us and you see us. You're there with us in our struggles. You're celebrating our victories. And you care for us as only the true Father can. We pray that we'd be able to see you for who you are rather than who we've experienced here on this earth. Would you extend to us the grace, the love, the forgiveness that you've given to each of us, that we might even be able to extend it to those that we've called Father here on this earth. Help us, Lord, to receive healing in these relationships, that we might be able to cling to you and see you for who you are. May we love you as children love a father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.